Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. All right, repent for the, no, just joking. <laughs> the reason why is because I'm starting probably the most comprehensive, longest series, deepest series that I've ever started in a church, a local church setting. It's probably going to take me three months uh, to do. Elliot, you're going to love this, my friend. <laughs> I'm not calling y'all, but I started the Sermon on the Mount. I used to, when he was uh, the, one of the directors at OHOP, we did that, and people start, I mean, in class, would start just falling on the ground. Last week, we had a move of the Spirit. Uh, and so I want to just uh, share this with you because we're going to do part two today, and it's actually going to bleed right into the baptism, okay? Now, uh, just for, uh, let, let's pray for the Word. Come on, Matthew chapter 5. Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of review. How many like to go deep on Sunday morning? All right, five of you. Amen. Glory to God. So, Father, I thank you for the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. It's powerful as a two-edged sword. I thank you for your anointing today. No matter how we feel in our bodies, let us respond and be alert and hungry for the word. For it is your word that changes our life and transforms our mind. Today, Lord God, even in areas that are sharp this morning. Let us receive your word, not just when we feel good, but when it convicts us, when it sharpens us, when it cuts us for your glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, all right, so a a quick recap, because this is so important that I have to give you like a five-minute recap of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I'm not going to give you the extensive recap of last week. You need to go ahead and get uh, week one. But the Sermon on the Mount is what, what many call the constitution of the kingdom. It is like Christianity 101, but it is not elementary, but it's very foundational. All right? There's a difference between being elementary and foundational. You, uh, G, think about having 20 years to prepare for a speech. Think about having 20 years or so to prepare for your one big sermon in front of thousands of people. Now, before the Sermon on the Mount, he kind of healed people in Capernaum and, and, and some other places, and he was gathering a crowd. So he realized, hey, there's a big crowd. Let me go up on a mountain because physics says that your voice carries in a mountain. And he went up to the mountain, listen, and he began to speak his first public major sermon. So what I'm speaking today is Jesus' sermon. Imagine Jesus, the preacher. Come on. Listen, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is one of the only places in the New Testament where there's three chapters uninterrupted by narrative, uninterrupted by a narrator or the writer, just Jesus preaching and teaching. Boy, imagine you were in there. So he start. Now listen, if you had 20 years to, to, to prepare for your, own, your, your first sermon, the first words out of your mouth should be pretty deep and significant. <laughs> right? You had 20 years to prepare for this. 25 years, give or take, when he started studying. Right? Because obviously when he comes out the womb, he's not going to study this, even though he's God. Right? Now watch this. He gets up on a mountain and he starts proclaiming eight blessings to people who yield the, these realities. And I'll give you a little bit of review. Eight blessings. Everybody say Blessings. Right? We're going to read it in just a moment, but this is a review. He starts off with blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, we talked last week that the word blessed means happy. Everybody say happy. 
The Greek word for blessed, eight blessings Jesus pronounces to people who do and yield to these things. Listen to this. But it's not automatic. We talked about that the Beatitudes are conditional in nature, not unconditional. Preach somebody. Listen to me. The Beatitudes, why is it conditional? Because he said, blessed are you when you are poor in spirit. If it was unconditional and we won't have to do anything. There would be no need for Jesus to say, you are blessed if you are poor in spirit. That means every Christian will be blessed. Do you hear this? So the Beatitudes are not unconditional in context. They're conditioned. In other words, you and I have to yield to something to benefit from that blessing. Come on, say amen. Remember what we talked about last week. What That word if is a conditional promise. A lot of Christians, they like to claim promises, but they're not doing their part. They like to claim the promises of something. They're not doing their part. If, if I say if, my people shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. If I say then, do you see that that's a condition? Then I will heal your land. Then I will forgive you of your sins. And then I will heal, I will hear you. But if you are just a Christian that is not posturing your heart, your heart to change, then there will be no blessing. Now, what is poor in spirit? I'm glad that you asked because last week we talked about it. I'll be really quick about that. Now, the word blessed means happy, but the biblical view of happiness is not having a lot of things. It's having a vibrant heart towards God. You know, when I pound that pulpit, it's good. I said the biblical view of happiness is not having a lot of things because we think if we have a lot of things, we'll be more happy. But we're not happy when we have more things. We're happy for a moment, and then it fades away. So when he says, happy are you when you're poor in spirit, he's saying, happy are you when you have a vibrant heart, when you yield to these seeds in your heart. And we talked about what is poor in spirit. Poor in spirit was the first beatitude, and it had to be. You know why? Because it's the foundation that sets the tone for every other beatitude. The beatitudes are, are progressive in nature. In other words, you cannot really have the fullness of one until the previous one is in your life. Now, yes, we can have measures of it, but I believe through Revelation that the reason Jesus started with poor in spirit, because it's the foundation for everything else. What is poor in spirit? This is all review real quick is the reality or the revelation that you and I are bankrupt of anything good in us other than the goodness of God. But that's good news because when we have a revelation that we are poor in spirit, it produces a dependence and a need to invite the Holy Spirit every day in our lives. You have to understand that when the Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet, when he saw the glory of God, we talked about this last week, he said, woe is me. Poor in spirit is a revelation of our spiritual bankruptcy that we have no strength in our own strength to have godliness or to live out godliness without the help of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. This is awesome. And so poor in spirit is a revelation of this. And lastly, we talked last week that being poor in spirit eliminates the strength of self from trying to appear more spiritual than we really are. This is just foundation. I'm about to go into the second beatitude. It is going to take me three months. I'm going to talk the whole sermon on the second beatitude, and I want to have a disclaimer here before we read. Everybody say disclaimer. This is Jesus' sermon. <laughs> I'm expounding on Jesus' sermon, but I find it interesting that the first, it's going to get better. Trust me. Everybody say it's going to get better. But you're going to hear some words today that are going to be sharp, and I didn't write the book. 
Jesus wrote it. He chose to write this. And through the eyes of Revelation, I want us to demystify. Everybody see demystify. Two words that are almost taboo in churches today. Are you ready? It's the word sin and the word repent. Don't say sin in church anymore. You're going to drive the people away. Don't say repent because that means you're beating them over the head. No, that is a lie. Now, I'll give you a foreshadow of what the second beatitude is because I just gave you a little secret. Now, let's look at the, the, the word of God today. And that was the review. Matthew 5, he gets up on a mountain and look at what he says. Are you ready? Verse 1. It says, and seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on a mountain And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All last week we talked about different scriptures that tie into the principle of poor in spirit. Right after that, he said this. Listen to me. This is Jesus. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mm. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And it's no coincidence Jesus said, blessed are those that mourn, immediately after he said, poor in spirit. Why? Because, what I'm going to tell you before I give you this revelation, some clarity about this second beatitude. Because oftentimes, well-meaning Christians, and I say this because I do it too, well-meaning Christians will quote this scripture to give them a hope and promise that God will comfort them when they experience loss. And let me just say that is absolutely true. But if you look at the scripture in context, the blessing that God is trying to give is not just for everyone who mourns. Because God will comfort those that experience loss and go to the Lord, and he will release comfort. But this is talking about an entirely different thing. And I want to tell you this because the Lord does comfort people. Everybody the Lord says, everybody said the Lord comforts me when there's a loss. Listen to me now. This is where it's going to get deep. That doesn't mean that automatically everyone is considered blessed just because they shed a few tears. Listen to this. We quote this scripture to give us hope that God is going to give us comfort when we experience loss, a death of a loved one, a family uh, that, that's grieving. And that is true from the comfort side, but not from the blessing side. Why? 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 Because look at me. I'm going to ask you questions. Do atheists or agnostics or Satanists grieve or mourn when somebody in their family dies? Does that mean because they mourn, they're automatically blessed? So then this scripture and this blessing that is attached to mourning has to do with something else other than just tears and crying. Because if we're blessed every time we cry, then we could just live any immoral life and mourn and cry and God calls us blessed. This is not what this scripture is talking about. He is not talking about blessed are those who cry at a funeral. Blessed are they for, that cry when someone dies. I'm being trying to be respectful for they should be comforted. Let, let's erase the, the blessed part. They will be comforted. If you call on the Lord, but you're not automatically considered labeled blessed just because you shed a few tears. And let me say even to Christians, we are not blessed just because we mourn. We are comforted when we mourn. So then what is this scripture talking about? Ooh, boy. Ooh, boy. Okay. All right. 
So then there's three types of mourning. Put that first slide up. There's three types of mourning, not mourning like uh, morning, afternoon, night, mourning, M-O-U-R, mourning, which means grieve, which means lament, which means to be truly sorry. That's what that means in the Greek, okay? Lament, weep, wail, look it up, to be sorry, okay? Listen, listen, it's not just crying. Oh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. The first type of mourning, there's three mornings. Everybody say three. There's only one that's really scripturally right in this context. Now, if you fast forward to other scriptures in the, in the New Testament, it just says the Holy Spirit will comfort you, right? That's great. But in this context, he says, blessed are they. Remember, that means it doesn't happen automatically. We have to yield to some reality in order to receive that blessing. So then what is Jesus talking about? So the first type of mourning is natural mourning. Put that up there. Natural, everybody say natural mourning. All right, so natural mourning, everybody does this. Natural mourning is experienced by everyone. It's not only someone, when someone dies, but also when you see somebody grieving. Isn't that true? When you see your friend or you see someone uh, that you love and they're going through a tough time, you mourn for them. Listen to me. Listen, I'm getting good here. It's going to be really good, right? So natural mourning is natural. It's Everybody say natural. So I want you to pause and say this. It's important that you grieve properly. That's a whole other sermon, all right? It's important that you grieve properly over something that has hurt you or caused pain. Because if you shortcut the grieving process, you shortcut the healing process. Oh, that's good right there. That's good right there. Somebody give me five. Somebody give me five. If you shortcut the grieving process, you shortcut the healing process. So it's important that we grieve properly. Look at me. This is, I'm, I'm laying a foundation. But yet, even though we grieve properly, that we will be comforted, but we're not automatically blessed, called blessed according to the beatitude just because we grieve properly. Listen, and, and, and when, when our son or daughter experiences failure and they're getting up to bat and they, they haven't hit the ball in like eight weeks and they strike out four times and they're crying, right? You grieve for them. Or somebody that you know that goes to prison or jail, you grieve for them. You mourn for them. That's natural. Hear me now. This is going to be sharp. But that doesn't mean you're called blessed because you're mourning for somebody automatically. Do you see this? What's the second mourning? Turn to someone and say, this is good. Second mourning type of mourning is unnatural mourning. Listen to me. This is very key. And I want everyone to listen because I want to have the fear of the Lord in this. Unnatural mourning is very destructive. Unnatural mourning is when people cut themselves because of the pain that they're experiencing. Just one example of the pain emotionally that they're experiencing. And so the unnatural mourning takes over and it's not natural and it's now destructive and even suicidal. Oh, I feel the Lord there. You could mourn in such a deep way that it turns, listen, it turns into unnatural mourning. Where listen, where we believe, please hear me, hear me. We believe that if we cut ourselves and make ourselves bleed in a certain area of our lives, that it's going to take away the emotional pain that we're experiencing at the moment. That's a natural mourning. And, and, and hear me now. It could open up doors for demonic spirits. You say, how is that? Mark chapter 5, the Bible says he was cutting himself, that man that was dem in the demoniac. What was the, what was the manifestation of the demons in him? Cutting himself. I, don't, I say that respectfully because I want people to know that if you're in that area, there's hope for you. 
You don't have to mourn that way. And that unnatural mourning could cause depression in you. It could cause suicidal thoughts in you. It could cause offense. Unnatural mourning could actually ruin your walk with God. Now, zoom in on me because this is really good now. So then what is Jesus talking about when he says, blessed are they that mourn? Oh, here's the setup. Okay, I've given you all this information to give you to drop the bomb on you. The third type of mourning is the correct one according to the Beatitudes, which is spiritual mourning. Jesus is talking about those that spiritually mourn the biblical way will be called blessed, and they will be comforted. Why am I saying this? Why am I saying this? Because spiritual mourning, here, are, are you ready? This, this is the curse word that I told you. Put that slide up. Spiritual mourning is repentance. Thank you for those three amens. I told you, I'm not, you know, if you came here, I'm not trying to beat you up. That's why I said this is a disclaimer. This is Jesus talking about. Spiritual repentance, which is spiritual mourning, is the correct response from, being, from the revelation of being poor in spirit. Come on, somebody. Spiritual mourning is the oh from the revelation of the oh. Poor in spirit is the revelation. I can't do it on my own. Okay, I get it. I've fallen 500 times. I can't do this on my own. I need humility. And when that nature, uh, beautiful nature, is revealed to you that you cannot produce godliness outside of the Holy Spirit, it will produce, watch this, a healthy spiritual mourning that is called healthy repentance. Healthy repentance, not condemnation. I want to get that out there just in case you guys are trying to twist the words. It is not condemnation. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And, the, and, that, and spiritual mourning has to talk about, listen, is the revelation and the proper response of being poor in spirit. Glory to God. Spiritual mourning is the proper response. Everybody say proper response. From being poor in spirit. And listen, this attribute, when it's developed in you, it will, it will produce what I call quick repentance. Hear me, please. When this revelation is alive in you, he said, blessed are you who, who watch it, I'm going to do the, PG, the PGV, okay, the PG verse, right? Blessed are those who see the need for me and the depravity of their heart and repent quickly when they fall. Because a lot of times we don't have this revelation and, the, and the, what the Lord is looking for is a heart that is quick to repent. Because we all fall. But uh, sometimes we exacerbate the grace of God and we, and we extend the grace of God and we never get to a place where we actually say, Lord, forgive me. See, I, I, I struggle even saying this because the words, Lord, forgive me, to some of you think that it's a condemnation. Or that I'm focusing on sin. No, Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they that mourn. They shall be comforted. Glory to God. Now watch this. Look at this next slide, guys. Spiritual, true spiritual mourning, which is repentance, is one of the main ingredients that produces spiritual refreshing and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There is a reason why Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn. It's not just to repent, just to repent, or mourn, to just to mourn. Because, listen, true spiritual mourning, which is repentance, 
Happy repentance, right? It's one of the main ingredients for, that produces spiritual refreshing and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We think it's only prayer. No, it's prayer combined with turning from our wicked ways. We love to worship and we love to seek God, but are we turning from our wicked ways? Come on, somebody. Are, are, we, are we examining ourselves and being quick to repent and to bring refreshing? This is what I'm trying to say. When Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. Uh, what I'm trying to tell you is there's a revelation here about comfort. I'm going to run around the church because I'm going to get a little excited. There, there's, a, there's a revelation of comfort. Everybody say comfort. So when Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn, we now know that that's a spiritual mourning saying, I, I need to be quick to repent because if you delay repentance, your, your heart will be dull and it will be harder to repent the next time. The more you say no to, to the conviction of the Lord, watch this, the less you will feel the conviction of the Lord. It's just the same as, let's just say church attendance. Let's just say this, okay? Just the, the more you, you come consistently, the more it will be a habit and the more you'll desire it. The, but if you just start skipping two or three, come on somebody. It's not in my notes. This is free for you. If you start skipping two or three Sundays and you show up once a month, twice a month, I'm not condemning anybody, it will be easy for you to do that all the time. Oh, I'll, I'll come next month. Because you become, exactly, you become comfortable. And that's why Jesus said, bless are you who mourn, because it's gonna, you're going to repent quickly when you fall. I'll forgive you, but don't delay it, and I'm not going to condemn you. I open my arms to you. Now, why is it a revelation of comfort? Because I believe the word comfort, when I looked it up, also means refreshing. And one of the words for comfort is to be revived or to be strengthened. Listen, to be refreshed. If I say refreshed. Now, what is spiritual mourning? Come on, say back to me. Healthy repentance, right? Now watch this. Not just from our revelation of being poor in spirit. Please listen to me. This is important. There's the, there's the other taboo word. From the revelation of what our own sin is doing to our lives. Many people have no clue what active sin does in their life. They have no clue. It's the fastest spiritual cancer in the kingdom. The fastest spreading spiritual cancer is allowed active sin in our life. When was the last time you went to church and they said that to you? Now watch this. What is comfort? How is comfort? Right? Look at Listen to this. Blessed are they the morn that they shall be what? Come on, say it with me. What is another word of comfort? Refreshing. Everybody say refreshing. How many want to be refreshed in the presence of the Lord? Come on. One of the ingredients is healthy mourning over not our sins only, but for others and for our nation. When's the last time we wept over the condition of our heart? When's the last time we wept over the condition of a family member? We just, ah, oh, that's okay. They're, they're never going to, they don't go to church. They're going to go to hell anyways. When's the last time we truly wept? When Jesus looked at Jerusalem and he mourned. He wept for their sin. For their disobedience. Now look at what Acts chapter 3 says. This is so good. Oh, I could slap myself, but I won't. Glory to God. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Look at this. Listen, to, watch this. Where do you first word? Everybody say one, two, three. One, two, three. What's the first word? Acts chapter 3, verse 19. It's going to be up on the screen. Repent. Uh-oh. Watch this. Spiritually mourn. Let's read it together. Therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be forgiven. Let's say, let's say this with me. So that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. 
Now, yes, I understand this is talking to people that didn't know the Lord, but there is a principle here. That when we allow ourselves to open up and stop, listen to me, I say this with a fear and reverence of the Lord, stop hiding and pretending. <laughs> Confess your sin. But more importantly, are you grieving for your sin? Or is it just okay when you sin? Think about what I'm saying. Is it okay? It's like, meh. Or do you feel grieved? That you grieve the Holy Spirit by opening a door that you shouldn't open. By confessing something you shouldn't confess. By watching something you shouldn't watch. By doing something you shouldn't be doing. Are you just like, hmm, God's going to forgive me. Or is there something in your heart? And I'm going to explain this in just a second because you, I know this is not a shouting message, okay? But everybody say spiritual awakening. Spiritual refreshing. Is contingent on spiritual mourning. Look at Joel chapter 2. Famous scripture. I'm going to say a couple uh, famous scriptures. Joel chapter 2, right? Look at this. How many want to open heaven in your life? How many want a refreshing in your life? How many want an outpouring of the Spirit in your life? Please hear me. Do all the other things right, but don't exclude healthy repentance for the Lord. Not condemnation, healthy repentance for the Lord. That will, God says, those people who are quick to repent, watch this, because they know that they're grieving my heart, they're blessed. Ooh, that's so good that you missed the amen right there. Watch this. Joel chapter 2. Are you ready? 12 verse 13. Let's all read it. And NLT, we all know it. NLT, 1, 2, 3. Look, that is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there is time. Wait, let me, let me stop there. That's for somebody here. Turn to me while there's still time. Listen, watch this. Watch what, watch what the Lord says. Give me your hearts. Come to me. Uh-oh, here's the word. Fasting, with fasting, with weeping. What's that word? And mourning. Now listen, look at this context. Does that mean mourning over a loved one that died? Oh, wait, wait a minute. Joel is now talking about a mourning that Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 5. He said, come to me, listen to me, with weeping Fasting and mourning, not just mourning to mourn, mourn because we realize that we have turned away from the Lord. In that time, Israel was going through such a difficult time, and on top of that, Israel, a lot of the majority of Israel were turning their back on the Lord. And so what the elders and the leaders called for the recipe, the recipe, the recipe for the Spirit of God to come in their lives. It didn't say, do better, guys. He didn't say that. He said, God, watch this. This is a famous one in 2023. God understands. Don't worry. Just keep, keep doing what you're doing. He'll understand. There's, come on, there's no condemnation. It's okay. Keep doing what you're doing. Or, or some congregations don't ever talk about sin. Have a 20-minute sermon. Don't ever talk about getting right with God. Just tell people they're going to be blessed all the time. Just tell people they're going to get a good stuff all the time. And everyone will flock to those services. Watch this. Joel said, come to me with weeping, fasting, and everybody say mourning. So listen to this. Don't tear your clothing. In the old days, they used to tear their clothing when they mourn over their sin. 
The recipe is the leader said, hey, let's all gather together like this. Imagine if we were, I was Joel. I said, hey, guys, we, we all need to get together. We need to change, guys. We've all been away from the Lord. Here's what we're going to do Forget, to get God to pour out his spirit upon us. We need to come in healthy repentance and admit that we were wrong. Watch this. Don't tear your clothing in grief. Tear your hearts instead. Whew. Oh, Lord. Return to the Lord your God. For he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. That same chapter, just a couple verses later, proves that spiritual mourning is a main ingredient for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because he first says, come to me with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Now, if you turn just a couple verses in that same chapter to verse 28. Everybody turn to verse 28. Look what it says. Then after doing all these things. Everybody say then. After doing all these things. Notice it's not just believing in these things. He's not talking about, I believe that's to be true. No, he says when you do these things. Do what? Come on, talk back to me. Do what? Fasting, weeping, mourning. Watch what's going to happen. Then I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Hallelujah. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And on your young men, you, they will see visions. You know why this is a hard message for me to preach? Because I know some people think that I am beating them up and I'm not. But I'm going to say this to you because spiritual mourning is absolutely necessary in our life to have a tender heart before the Lord. I'm not saying you have to go around 24 saying, saying, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. No. But what you need to do is when there is a sin that is an open door in your life, God says, come to me quickly before it starts devouring you. Now, listen. Now, 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 I'm just going to say this because this is important. This is really important. I believe we talked about Isaiah last week, right? And Isaiah, I told you that when he saw the glory of God, it produced poor in spirit. Remember? Remember? He said, he, on this one shall I look upon. Isaiah said that he who is uh, contrite in heart has a poor spirit and trembles at my word. He will look upon that one. Isaiah, man, I love Isaiah because he's like the beatitude prophet of the Old Testament. You know what he also said? Now watch this about a principle of what sin does to our lives. That's why we need mourning. The Old Testament prophet before the Holy Spirit described a principle of what sin does to us. Now please listen to me because I don't talk about this often, but I feel I need to need to. Can I hear an amen? amen? Isaiah 59. Look what it says. Look at what Isaiah 59 says. Behold, oh boy, hear, hear me now. I know it's Old Testament, but I'm going to bring a balance. The Lord's hand is not short that it cannot save, nor his ear deaf or heavy that it cannot hear. In other words, saying, hey, God doesn't have a problem. <laughs> he, he doesn't have a problem reaching out and touching you. Listen, he doesn't, his, he doesn't, he's not deaf. <laughs> Some people think that when they pray loud, they get answers to prayer. He's not deaf. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now watch this. Look at the next verse. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. <sighs> and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Now, wait, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying, and I'm glad that you're saying that. It's good. It's good that you're saying that. I know that's the Old Testament. 
But there's a principle here. I know that the Bible says I will never leave you nor forsake you. So I'm publicly saying that. And I know that the Bible says in Romans, no, nothing shall separate you from the love of God. And that is still true. But what this principle is saying when it says uh, your sins have separated you from your God has to do with the distance that you have between you and God spiritually. When you have unconfessed sin in your life, it's impossible to be closer to the Lord. I know this is hard. Just, just receive it, church. I promise it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Next week it's going to get better. But Jesus started with these two Beatitudes. I didn't write the book. He did. He started with poor in spirit. And then he said, blessed are those who mourn. Spiritually mourning over the condition of their life and the condition of their family. Give us tears again, Lord, for our nation, for our sins, for our own sins. And you know what the Bible says in the New Testament? Because you say, well, that's the Old Testament. Give me something New Testament. Do you know that the New Testament actually describes what the power of sin does in a more, more graphic way, in a sense? So you're like, oh, that's Old Testament. Give me a New Testament scripture. Okay, I'm glad that you said that. Because the New Testament, under grace, Look at what the Bible says. When we first served the Lord, we all knew this scripture. And it's not, it's not John 3, 16. When we first, most of us, when we first got to the Lord, I bet you this verse was one of your elementary verses. Romans chapter 6. Look at what it says about sin. And that's why. See, why am I highlighting sin? Because if we don't know what sin does, we won't repent quickly. Hello. If you don't know what sin does in your heart, you won't mourn. Do you realize that if you don't realize that it's, it's actually eating up your, your spiritual walk with God and you're okay with it, that's where God is saying, bless you who mourn. You'll be comforted. In other words, refreshed by the presence of the Lord. If anyone here, I say this respectfully, has ever had physical cancer, you will not be passive about treating it. If you had cancer or if your family member had cancer, you're not going to say... Eh, it's okay. It'll just go on its own. No, you're going to be aggressive. Sin is a spiritual cancer that we need to be, con uh, listen, stop hiding. Stop hiding and admit, Lord, I have some open doors and I'm going to come to you. But I only come to you because the preacher is telling me is because I'm grieved. Now watch, you're going to get some context in the end. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is, come on, say that. That's a little more graphic than what Isaiah said. Isaiah said, your sin has separated you from me. Paul, the apostle, New Testament, after Jesus resurrected, he said, the wages, what it pays you, sin is death, spiritual death, sometimes physical death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at James chapter 1. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. It's okay. I know. <laughs> Lord, help all of us. James chapter 1, verse 14. I wouldn't be fair if I didn't talk about this. If, I, if all I just gave you was a message that make you clap for me, that's not fair for you. James chapter 1, verse 14. Are you ready? Receive this. Say, I'll receive it. I love the scripture. If you know me, I quote the scripture a lot. But this is so foundational to why we need to mourn. It's not just, okay, mourn. Uh, mourn, I'm mourning. No, that's not mourning. You have to feel the grief of what's happening in your heart. Now, please hear me. Ask yourself a question. Don't say it out loud. What is it about my heart that I don't grieve anymore over my sin? 
has my heart gotten hardened? Hardened, right? The Bible says in, in Hebrews, encourage one another daily, lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Do you know that sin has the capacity to slowly harden your heart? I want to give you a revelation. If you have a hardened heart, somewhere in there, there's sin. I know that's deep and that's hard to receive. If you have a hardened heart, somewhere in there, you are resisting something. Yes, they may have hurt you. And, may, and, and yes, that, that hurt may have developed into a hard heart. But that hard heart now has produced rebellion against the things of God. Look at James 1. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. Everybody say own desires. There's nowhere mentioned the devil in this scripture at all. The devil's not going, I, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. Oh, I would have done it, but the devil, the demons, the devil. The, there's no demons in your, there's, there's probably no demons doing this for you. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. Listen, listen, you have to hear this because it goes with, with the beatitude of blessed they that mourn. When desire is conceived, everybody say desire. When my desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. My goodness. And sin, this New Testament, when it is fully grown in you, brings forth death. Now, here's a revelation. Are you ready? This is, like, I was thinking about this. I'm like, I can't. I'm, I, should I say this, Lord? I'm going to say it. <laughs> That means we have the capacity to birth sin out of us. We could birth righteousness or we could birth sin. Where's sin? It's already conquered. Sin comes from our own desires, and then we're tempted by our own desires. Watch this. And when our own desires conceive, the Bible says, not PG, it brings forth sin. It conceives sin. So the seed is our desire. The product of our desire that's evil is sin. And sin when it's fully grown. What does it mean to be fully grown? That means you've allowed it to stay in your life for a long time. You've allowed it to stay in your life a long time, and now it's a giant in you. And now you have to deal with it. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to have the worship team come up since. But the reason I say that is for this. When Jesus said, blessed are the morn, I want you to know something real significant or you will not have, you will not understand this message at all. There's a difference between, the Bible says, I'm going to show you, worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. There's a difference between a worldly expression of being sorry for your sins and a godly expression for being sorry for your sins. A godly, sorry, a worldly expression, which is called worldly sorrow, Worldly sorrow, I'm going to share it to you in, this, in a minute, is, is, what it, is in a sense the, the sorrow of the world, right, of how you deal with sin. And most of the time, the, the, the worldly sorrow exists because you got caught, not because you hurt the heart of God. Yeah. 
Sometimes we say sorry because we know that if we don't confess that sin, God may remove us from the position that we have. Or if or somebody calls us out on something and we forgive, we say sorry because we don't want to lose a position in the church or a position in the business. Or we, we say sorry, but you know, ladies, you say that. Don't say sorry. Give me a changed behavior. When husbands and wife argue and someone says sorry and they never change their behavior, that's worldly sorrow. I'm just going to say sorry to get you off my back. I'm going to say I'm sorry so, so, that, so that I could keep this position. I'm going to say I'm sorry not because I hurt the heart of God. It's because I want to I keep my reputation of being a spiritual person. But godly sorrow is sorrow that's birthed when you know that our actions have hurt and grieved the heart of God and it produces a healthy repentance. Listen, and godly sorrow doesn't care about losing their position, losing their title, losing their ministry. They care about Holy Spirit. I've grieved you. And there's a difference. I want you to see this. I'm going to have the worship team here. This is key. This is key. Because if you're just mourning to mourn and not really grieving for the things that has hurt God's heart, you're missing the point entirely. You're missing the point. You're realizing, watch this, the difference between, between Saul and David is godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. And I'm going to show you before we baptize people what made God Turn his attention to David. Listen to me very closely. When David's sin in the natural, and I'm going to be bold with it, this is true, in the natural was 10 times more grievous than Saul's sin who did 99% of what God told him to do. Yet God decided to rip the kingdom away from Saul and keep David. Why? Why? Because God was looking for something in the heart when they both repented. Because they both repented, but one of them was a godly sorrow, one of them was a worldly sorrow. I'm going to show you, but first let's go to Corinthians. Are you getting something? Glory to God. Second Corinthians 7, i got to hurry. Look at what it says, verse 8 and 10. Listen, look at what Paul said. Please hear me. I'm getting to my, my, my final. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, Paul was saying, hey, listen, I wrote you a letter in 1 Corinthians. This is 2 Corinthians. In the first one, I wrote some heavy stuff. Thank God for Paul, because then I get delivered. For, you know, I don't have to apologize, right? He goes, hey, watch what Paul said. He goes, I'm modernizing. He goes, I, I wrote some heavy stuff. I'm, this is PG version, right? I wrote some heavy stuff to y'all in the first letter. And listen, and watch this. Paul the apostle said, I know it stung you. What I said in the first letter, I know it stung you, and I know it, it hurt you a little bit. Watch what he said. For if I made you sorry with my letter, please hear me, this is key. I do not regret it. Thank you, Paul. Watch this, watch this. I don't regret being sharp, he said. Watch this. Why, 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 why? Because he's mean or he's trying to show how spiritual he is? No. That's not why people do, the right people do this. Look at this. Though I did regret it, watch this. For I perceive that the, is that the same one? Okay. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Oh, boy. You understand that worldly sorrow produces only for a while actions? You're sorry for a little bit. Right. No, but, but now, everybody say now. Paul said, I rejoice. Not that you were made sorry. Please hear this. This is key. But that your sorrow led to repentance. This is the key. 
This is the key. You missed it. He goes, I'm sorry that you were hurt, but I'm not sorry that you were hurt because it led you to repentance. In other words, the human side, I'm sorry that you're hurting, but I want to tell you why I had to say those things. Because I love you, and I want you to get right. He said, I'm, I want you, sorrow led you to repentance, for you were made sorry, say this with me, in a godly manner. You were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow, come on, say this with me, one, two, three. Godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. I'm going to say something deep. Are you only repenting because you know the pastors and the leaders are going to see you repenting? Are you going to delete certain things on your social media because you know Pastor George is going to see it? Or are you doing it because you've hurt the heart of God? There's a difference. If, you, if, if you're deleting something because, oh, I, I shouldn't be doing this, Pastor George and the leadership, they're going to call me out on this. But you know what? It's okay. It only has one curse word. If you're doing that, I'm going to preach boldly now. If you're doing that, you're, you have worldly sorrow. And you're never going to produce fruits of righteousness. If you're getting right just to please me or just be on a team or to be on a service, whatever it is, you're not operating in godly sorrow. And that's not the blessing that God says in Matthew 5. Are you ready? Saul, look at me. I want the, I want the worship team to get up there, and then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna end. Godly sorrow. God is looking for godly sorrow. Listen, he said godly sorrow led you to repentance. Listen to me. I'm going to preach probably much in the boldest right now. The secret sins that you're hiding, you're not benefiting by not, be, by not grieving over it because it's destroying your walk with God. You need to start opening up to the Lord. Even if you have to cry, say, Lord, I have grieved you. Now, listen, let's read this. We're going to end this. Why did God accept Saul? Sorry, David. Why did God accept David when David, listen to me, look at the difference. I'm going to show you why, right? Are you ready for this? I'm going to give you a recap and then I'm going to give you actual scriptures of the response of repentance. Listen, both of them, everybody say both. Both Saul and David had a prophet come to them and pray, pretty much tell them their sin. That's a little scary, guys. Thank God for his mercy now. Could you imagine a prophet saying, hey, blah, 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 blah. That's scary, right? That's scary. A prophet both came, a prophet Nathan came to David and prophet Samuel came to Saul, and they both, they both released the word of the Lord of their sin. Now watch their response. Saul was told by the Lord, this is, uh, so you know, Saul was told by the Lord through the prophet Samuel, kill all the Amalekites, because at that time they were the, one of the chief enemies of God. See, let's spiritualize for a second. Why do we want to kill 99% of our spiritual enemies that are attacking our life? Come on, somebody. Why, can't, why do we, why do we uh, kill the big ones like lust and fornication and, and, and all that stuff, but we don't kill gossip? Right? Or cursing, but we kill everything else. What's my point? The prophet told them, kill the Amalekites, kill everyone, because I don't want any seed to remain of the enemy. 
<laughs> I don't want to have any seeds in the enemy, so kill, annihilate everyone. I know that sounds tough, but in the Old Testament, that's how they did things. Saul did all that, except, everybody say except. He kept the king alive, King Agag. Guys, guys, Saul killed even the, 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 the Malachite children. He killed everybody. But he said, I'm going to leave King Agag alive. I'm going to leave a couple flock for us because we're going to benefit in the business for the flock. Guys, listen to me. Please listen to me. This is going to be deep. This is going to sting. But I'm the Apostle Paul right now, and I'm writing the first letter to you. I promise the second letter is going to get better. But today, I want us to get right. Saul said, hey, I've completed the work of the Lord. Samuel came and said, why do I keep hearing sheep in the background? Didn't I tell you to do everything? Well, I just figured, he said, I'm going to use those to offer things to the Lord. Baloney. Watch this now. Watch. He did 99% right. But I want you to know why God, I'm summing it all up. Right? Why God tore his kingdom. When Samuel said that to him, he turned to Samuel, not to God, and said, forgive me. Samuel, he's a man. He said, forgive me. I've sinned. Now watch this. Just make me look good in front of my elders. I'm going to read it to you so you, can, so you can prove it. He didn't care about hurting the heart of God. He cared more about being honored in the sight of people. So don't expose me. I say sorry now. Right? Not one time did he grieve over his sin. But David? Now remember, he, Saul did 99% obedience, which leads me to one point. I'll discuss that later. That if we intentionally have 1% disobedience and 99% obedience is still disobedience. David, let's talk about David. And then we're going to baptize you. Listen, because we're going to mourn by faith, not because the pastor's telling us, but as a revelation of what we need to do to tenderize our heart. David went up to his roof and saw a woman that was married. Married. And she was bathing in the top of the roof. Those days, that's how they took showers. He lusted after her. He knew that she was married. He knew it. One of his chief people was named Uriah. And Uriah was loyal to him and loyal to the Lord. He lusted, didn't deal with that sin quickly. It grew in his heart, according to James. Listen to this. And it conceived into a desire of adultery and murder, premeditated and acted upon. He premeditated how to get him killed by getting him drunk. The Bible says, I'm saving you a lot of time. Putting him in the front of the battle and then retreating. And as he was kind of drunk with wine, they killed him. They killed Uriah. Now he goes, okay, he's dead. Now I could get Bathsheba. And some theologians say that Bathsheba did it because he was uh, an honored person, not because she wanted to. There's no place in Scripture she, think about it. She just lost her husband. Some people say, oh, I lost my husband. Come here, David. No, no, no. You, we, we heroize people. Some people say he forced, forcefully had sex with her. So watch this. He committed adultery. He murdered. Nathan, the prophet, came to him and said, you know, there was a man, 
parable that had he only had one sheep and one lamb and there was a, a, a person more powerful than that took that sheep and took that lamb away from them what do you think has happened oh that person david said should die that is so wicked and so cruel and nathan pointed his finger and said you're the man what and instantly oh, i feel the holy spirit conviction hit david and the Bible says he repented to the Lord because he hurt the heart of God, not because he wanted to take a position away. He fasted for a week. Now I want you to see these scriptures, and then we're going to shout together because listen to what the Bible says ha- happened to Saul, to Samuel. Look at Samuel. I'm going to show you why God rejected, because God will reject worldly sorrow, and God will accept godly sorrow. 1 Samuel 15, verse 24, real quick. Then Samuel said to, listen, Saul said to Samuel, look at me, to Samuel, everybody say Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared, listen, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. I feared the people and obeyed their voice. How many of you are fearing people and obeying them because of intimidation and you want to please them? And as a result of you pleasing them, you're being disobedient to the Lord in some of your lifestyle. Now watch this. Go back to the last verse. Share that last verse up there for time. No, not, 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 not. This last, the last verse of 1 Samuel. Verse 30, please. Look at, look at this. This is Samuel. Sorry, this is Saul. Then he said, I have sinned. Watch this. This is Saul. Yet honor me now. (laughs) Please, before the elders of my people. Not one time did he say, oh my God, I hurt the heart of God in this disobedience. It was please honor me. Make me look good. I'm going to 2023 it, okay? Make me look good at Remnant. Make me look good. I'm a leader or I'm a person. I have a spiritual face I got to put up. Don't, 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 don't. Lord, don't take this away from me. Not once do those people say, I have grieved the heart of God. Listen, he did 99% right. Yet he did not. You know what he expressed when he repented? Worldly mourning. Because he got caught. He got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. And he said, all right, you're right. You're right. You're right. I got King Agag alive and I got some flock. Big deal. And it was a big deal for God. It's a big deal for God because he says, rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft in that same verse. Now, look at what David said. I'm going to close here. Look at what David said. David, in Psalm 51, theologians say that David wrote this psalm immediately after he was confronted by the prophet David. Look at the difference between Saul's repentance and David's repentance. Are you ready? See, because some of you, you, you grew up with this. Like, I know this, Pastor George. My dad says this all the time to me. My mom says this all the time to me. But if you're callous about it, there is no grieving about what's happening inside of you. Now, are you ready? For, look at the reaction of David. He got caught. He murdered, and he committed adultery, and a prophet called him out. He fasted for a whole week. His first son was a stillborn. Read it. God did not allow his seed to be blessed. He fasted for a week. He mourned. Now, look at what he said in Psalm 51. Now, you can put that up there. Look at what he said. I acknowledge, oh, this is so powerful. I acknowledge my transgression. Look what the difference of, of David, how he repents now. 
and my sin is before me. Look at this. Oh, this, this, this is so good. Against you and you alone only have I sinned and done this evil. Watch this. Watch this. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Look at verse, look at verse 10. Real quick. Look at jump to verse 10. He goes, create in me a clean heart. In other words, I know that the condition that I'm in, I can't keep going. Lord, I've sinned against you. I've hurt you. I don't care if I hurt all these other people. I hurt you. I don't care about my kingdom. I care about you. I don't care about my pastor title. I care about you. I don't care. You can take that. Look what he says. He goes, he goes, create in me a new heart and renew a set five spirit. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Oh, God. God, restore the joy of my salvation. Do you understand what, what David is saying? He said, you can take my kingdom. You can take my pastor title. You can take my ministry. Just don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Just don't take your presence. I hurt you, Lord. I don't care if you take everything away. As long as me and you are good. Some of you are more concerned about your title and your persona than hurting the heart of God. It's time that we become like David and say, Lord, but here's what I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to do for you. I don't want, you know what the prophet is symbolized in the New Testament? The person of the Holy Spirit. So the prophet comes in and said, hey, you have some stuff you need to deal with. Saul goes, yeah, you're right, but just honor me. David goes, oh. What have I done? And when you do that, the windows of heaven will be open over your life. When you say, God, I don't want to stay in this condition anymore. I want to weep again for my condition, for the condition of my family, the spiritual condition of the nation. I am not highlighting sin this morning. I'm highlighting the blessing that comes when we get to a place of spiritually mourning. When we truly, our, our actions truly realize that, you're, that we're sometimes hurting the heart of God that produces healthy repentance, you know that will produce in you? An open window of heaven of the presence of the Lord in your life. Right now, God is going to break every condemnation. Come on, I want us to close our eyes. Oh, God, I want us to have a posture of spiritual mourning. When's the last time we mourned over our gossip? When's the last time we mourned over what we allow through our eyes? When's the last time we truly mourned like David said, against you and you alone, don't take your Holy Spirit away from me? When's the last time we mourned as this beatitude says? for the condition of what we're going through. Come on, close your eyes. David didn't care about his title, his ministry or his reputation that was taken away from him because of his sin. David was more deeply concerned about having grieved the heart of God because of his actions. This is an example of godly sorrow that produced fruits of righteousness. I want everyone to close your eyes, and I know this is a little different this morning. We're going to baptize people in a moment. But even those who are getting baptized, I believe this message is for you. Because right now, in a few minutes, right, we're going to worship with a song. You're going to come in. I want the baptism team to get ready. And you're going to bury your old self in the water. 
But I pray another, another thing. The Bible says, blessed are they that mourn, they shall be comforted. Even leave by faith your old habits and your sins in the water today. I want everyone right now just to close your eyes because I know this is a sombering moment. This is not a, a, a shouting message. Guys, I just want you to worship with a song that you feel led for the Lord according to my message. And I just want to just wait on the Lord for just a second. And I want us to examine our heart right now. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.